Welcome to Insights, a production of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Insights is an audio podcast that provides perspective on the opportunities and uncertainties facing investors today. Today's program, The Market Insights Notes on the Week Ahead. Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at J.P. Morgan Funds. Today is April 22nd, 2019. Just over eight years ago, HBO launched its very successful series, Game of Thrones, set in the mythical medieval kingdom of Westeros. The first episode was entitled Winter is Coming, and we were warned that winters in Westeros were particularly harsh and could last for years. In the early episodes, I rather expected to see peasants working feverishly in the fields and erecting great barns to store harvests. However, this was not the case, and the focus throughout the last eight years has instead been on the efforts of the various houses of the kingdom to achieve supremacy through brutality, sorcery, dragons, and intrigue. The weather, meanwhile, has been slow to change, and the threat of winter has rather faded into the background. An end to this long economic expansion has similarly been prophesied for years and has failed to materialise. More recently, many, including myself, have argued that while recession was not imminent, the surge in economic growth in 2018 was temporary, and that the pace of economic growth would slow this year. Earlier this year, it appeared that the slowdown was upon us and the Federal Reserve pulls its interest rate hikes in response. However, numbers due out this week should show continued economic momentum in the first quarter, raising a number of questions. 1. Has the slowdown just been postponed for a few months, or has it been cancelled? 2. Did the Fed blink too quickly at signs of economic weakness, and will they resume rate hikes later this year? And 3. Have investors become too complacent about the prospects for continued mild economic weather? On the first question, it still looks likely that the slowdown will occur, just a little later than anticipated a few months ago. This week's GDP report could show real annualised growth of 2.8% in the first quarter, which would translate into a 3.1% year-over-year gain. However, within this number, real inventory growth could exceed $100 billion annualised, and getting this number back to a trend pace of $40 billion annualised should be a significant drag in economic growth in the months ahead. In addition, the latest international trade data suggests a sharp decline in the nation's trade deficit in the first quarter. However, this is also likely to be temporary, given the volatility of global trade data, which has been exacerbated by tariff uncertainty. This week's numbers on home sales should mirror the weakness in last week's housing starts data, while durable goods orders should look uninspiring outside of the volatile transportation sector. Going forward, the lack of any further tax cuts should cause consumer spending and capital spending to grow more slowly in the months ahead, following solid gains in 2018. One apparent signal in the opposite direction has been the remarkably low level of unemployment claims in recent weeks. Even if, as we expect, weekly initial claims bounce above 200,000 in this Thursday's release, the four-week moving average could still fall to its lowest level since 1969. However, on this indicator it's important to recognise two things. First, employment is a lagging economic indicator, so that any weakening in the labour market would likely follow rather than precede a slowdown in GDP growth. Second, a lack of available workers may be depressing unemployment claims more than the underlying pace of job growth would suggest. Companies that are having a hard time finding new workers may prefer to reassign rather than fire employees who happen to be working in their less profitable operations. In short, while trade and inventories should boost first quarter GDP, there's little reason to suspect sustained growth in the second quarter or beyond, and year-over-year GDP growth should still slip towards 2% by the third quarter. On the second question, between September and January, the Federal Reserve pivoted from expecting three rate hikes 
in, the, uh, in 2019 to expecting none. This change in perspective was understandable, given the clear slowdown in global manufacturing, the uncertain effects of the government shutdown, lower oil prices contributing to low inflation, and a sharp sell-off in the stock market. While they might have remained slightly more hawkish if they'd anticipated this year's strong bounce back in stock prices, the relevant question today is whether policy is in the right place, given current economic and market conditions. On economic growth and inflation, the Fed has reason to feel comfortable. While economic growth didn't slow noticeably in the first quarter, it seems set to do so in the quarters ahead. Meanwhile, inflation remains relatively benign. While oil prices have rebounded from their lows of, of late last year, they remain below year-ago levels, while the dollar remains higher than a year ago. In addition, despite very tight labour markets, there is little evidence yet of wages outpacing the combined gains in consumer price and productivity, something that will be required if higher wages were to lead to higher inflation overall. On asset prices, there may be reason for greater unease. While stock prices remain slightly below last September's peaks, they've continued to move up since the start of the last of this year. This, combined with rising home prices, is continuing to boost the market value of U.S. assets relative to the output of the U.S. economy. Throughout this expansion, low interest rates have generated neither above-trend economic growth nor rising inflation. However, however, they have persistently boosted asset prices. And the greatest long-term risk to this expansion is that asset prices rise too far and then eventually fall too fast. While this is a risk, the Federal Reserve now faces a high bar on further changes in monetary policy in either direction. If they were to resume tightening in the face of a slowing economy and quiescent inflation, they would undoubtedly generate considerable criticism from politicians, criticism that, in the long run, could threaten Fed independence. If, on the other hand, they were to cut rates, many investors would wonder what it was that had them so concerned, potentially igniting in recession psychology. So, while Fed policymakers have perhaps been a little more dovish than they intended, they will likely stick with current policy for as long as possible. Which brings us to the third question. A long bull market in stocks combined with low inflation and a dovish Fed has left both stock and bond valuations at high levels. In the bond market, the real yield on three-month T-bills is far below historical averages, and investors are generally not being paid for taking the duration or credit risks required to boost those yields. Similarly, in U.S. stocks, forward P.E. ratios are running a little bit above their long-term averages. With earnings growing more slowly, long-term equity returns are likely to be muted. Many investors have accumulated wealth in this long expansion and bull market and can afford to be more conservative going forward. In addition, there should still be ways of augmenting low U.S. stock and bond returns through better stock selection, international diversification, and some allocation to alternative assets. However, in planning from here, it is important to recognize the limits that slow growth and high valuations put in future returns, even in a relatively benign environment. It's also a good time to remember that in a down market, the most speculative securities will likely take the biggest hit. I suppose, this being the last season of Game of Thrones, winter will finally arrive. For investors, the timing of a downturn is less certain, but it is just as necessary to, position, to be positioned for slower growth and to be prepared just in case it turns out to be something worse. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only. And as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. 
The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.